0: for whoever clapped. Thank you. Um, so uh, I, let me start. L- let's talk today about—we're in the church on mission, all right? So we're in—the church should always be on mission, and we're starting this because our J Road has a new mission, and we got into the first part of the new mission last week, um, which was about reaching the lost, and I'll recap that in a second. But mission is very important. You know, it tells about, like, what we do and what we're about. Like, have you guys ever met somebody And you asked them like what do they do or where they work, and they told you, but you still had no idea what they actually do? Has anybody ever met somebody like that? (laughs) Like, hey, where do you work? Oh, I work at BlackRock. All right, what do you do at BlackRock? Oh, yeah, I do analytics and financials. All right, what do you do? What does BlackRock do? (laughs) What's their purpose? What like I really want to know. And what I'm really asking is, what is their mission? Like, what do they set out to do? If you work for an electrical company, your mission is to provide electrical services for residential and commercial places, right? You're not going to be doing plumbing if that's your mission is to do electrical, right? <laughs> and you—everybody should know uh, if you—where you work, like, what's the mission of what you're supposed to be doing? Because if you have one of those jobs where you have no idea what you're supposed to be doing, you know, it's like you're not going to like your job at all. You're actually probably going to hate your job, <laughs> and it's the same with the church. If the church doesn't have a clear-cut mission, we're not going to enjoy what we're doing. Like, what are we supposed to be doing? Like, and so we want to make sure every single thing we do has a purpose behind it. We don't want to just do things just to waste time, because life is short, and our time here is precious, and we want to make sure the things we do are meaningful and impactful, right? And so everything we want to make sure has a purpose behind it. And last week, we started the analogy of, imagine we were on a missions trip, and we're on the missions trip, and, you know, we're there for four days, and we're really just going out to eat, and talking, and You know, doing a couple worship services. Eventually, you guys would ask, what are we doing here? Why did we come all the way to Ecuador? What's our, what's our mission? And so that's speaking to like a mission. And so we as a church need to make sure that's clarified for us too. So the first thing we did last week was talk about reaching the lost and reaching the lost. And that was our first part about the the first part of our mission. um, Our new mission is reaching the lost. Every church that calls himself a church needs to be in some way reaching the lost. And they need to be out there um, seeking and finding people who don't know Jesus and telling them the gospel and, you know, introducing them to Jesus. That's kind of, that should be important to us because reaching the lost was important to Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 19 verse 10. Luke 19 verse 10 says this, For the Son of Man, who is Jesus, came to seek and save the— So that's what the Son of—Jesus said, that's what I came to do. I came to seek and save the the lost. So if it was important to Jesus, it's got to be important to us too. And so last week, we defined as a church who the lost is, because if we don't have that clearly defined, we don't really know who we're going after. So we also defined who is the lost. And we defined it in three categories, okay? Because we believe that lostness is a general spectrum. It's just not, you know, like there's different degree, like not different degrees of lostness, but there's different types of lost people that we're gonna engage. And so I explained it like this. The first is this. Um, The first is people that have never encountered Jesus, and if you go to some places in the world and speak the name of Jesus or tell the name of Jesus, people have never even heard of him. And that's pretty unlikely that you're gonna come across somebody like that in West Michigan. Because there's a, an abundance of evangelical or Catholic churches, and people have heard the name of Jesus, and, and many people have at least been to a funeral where they shared the gospel, or they've been to a wedding and they shared the gospel. So that's an extreme, but that's the first type of people. People who have never encountered Jesus, and maybe you'll encounter those types of folks. The second is people who have encountered Jesus but didn't accept him. So maybe they they know about Jesus, they've heard about Jesus somebody shared the gospel with them, and they said, no thanks, That that's not for me. I'm not interested right now. Okay. Um, that's You'll encounter people like that. And then the third is people that have professed faith in Jesus, but they no longer follow him. So in your workplace, you might come in contact with somebody who's like, you say, do I, you go to church? And they're like, no, I don't go to church. I, I did go to church. I was baptized. I was serving. I was a deacon, actually. And um, some things happened in my life, and I don't go to church anymore. Um, And so they, at one time, they professed faith in Jesus, but they don't follow him anymore. Those are the different levels that we're talking about with people that are lost. That's that's what we're talking about. And we want to reach these people for Jesus, you know. We want people that have never encountered Jesus. We want them to encounter Jesus. We want the people that have encountered Jesus but didn't accept him to reconsider and accept him. And we want people that have professed faith in Jesus but have walked away to come back home to Jesus and start following Jesus again, and reignite the fire in their heart for Jesus, because that's important. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and we're told as a church to go out and proclaim the gospel to the world. That's That's what our job is as a church. That's one of our main jobs. Look at Mark chapter 16. In Mark chapter 16, it says this, And Jesus said to the disciples, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the to the whole creation, and whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And so here in this verse you see that there is two there's two responsibilities. There's the responsibility of us to go and share the gospel, but it's their responsibility to believe. And we talked about that last week. Our job isn't to save people, Jesus does the saving and the redeeming of people's souls. All we can do is bring people to Jesus, and it's up to them how they respond. So if somebody doesn't believe in Jesus or doesn't accept your invitation to follow Jesus, that's not on you. Oh, man, if I just would have shared it better, they would have accepted. Listen, Jesus gives you the words to say when you share the gospel, how they choose to believe is up to them. It says if they believe and are baptized, they'll be saved. If they reject it, they'll be condemned. That part's on them. So it's like we as a church, we have one responsibility—present Jesus to people, present the gospel to people, and what they do with it is entirely up to them. We want to love them, care for them, and, and explain it to them in a way that they understand, and continue to walk by them. But that's the two parts. And we also talked about last week our strategy for reach, reaching the lost. So our new mission isn't just in part to reach the lost, and we hope it gets done. But we're gonna—we made a strategy to make sure it gets done, because if we as a church don't have a strategy, it's probably not gonna happen, right? (laughs) You guys could say, I want to clean out the garage all you want, but if you don't have a plan and put it on the calendar, it ain't gonna get done. It's not gonna get done, and uh, your garage is gonna be filled with everything but your cars, all right? So here's our strategy that we talked about last week. The first is this—to equip you guys as a church to reach. Equip all of us to reach. That's got to be the first part of the strategy. So we are going to provide ways to show us, whether it be Sunday morning, whether it be through other things, we're going to provide ways for you to be equipped to feel comfortable enough to share your faith with confidence. Like, you shouldn't be um, scared to share your faith with somebody. to Even share your testimony with somebody. So we want to equip you to do that first. The second is through the Jericho Road Project. If you don't know what the Jericho Road Project is, it's our housing ministry arm of the church. So we have four units and three houses right now um, that we house people in, and we ultimately want to use that to reach the lost. We want to meet their physical needs by providing a roof over their head, but we also want to meet people's spiritual needs by introducing them to Jesus. So we want to definitely use that ministry to reach people who are far from Jesus. Um, Number three, Outreach Sundays three times a year. So what we're going to do is we're going to build a lot of excitement around these Outreach Sundays. And right now we're just going to do three a year. And so every Sunday you can invite friends to, every Sunday is technically an Outreach Sunday, but these Sundays we're going to go all out. And they're centered around Sundays that people are most likely to come to church. What are they? Christmas, Easter. The other one that I put that maybe some people might be in dispute, but is back to school time, like right about now, is, is, The time when people are most likely to come back to church, but really the the main two are Christmas and Easter. So ugly sweater Sunday, which is the Sunday before Christmas, we are going to have that as our big outreach Sunday. So what we're going to do is give you cards. We're going to be praying over folks. We're going to be passing out invite cards so you can give to people that you want to invite to church those Sunday and say, hey, wear your ugliest sweater and come with me to church on Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. And That Sunday we're gonna share the gospel. We're gonna have starting point. We are gonna help people get plugged in here, and so we're gonna center those Sundays around reaching the lost. The next one will be Easter as well, and so we're gonna put hype around those Sundays. And the last is outreach events, which are men's events and women's events that are geared towards reaching your lost friends and family, or unsaved friends and family, or unchurched friends and family. And so, like, it won't just be a women's event just to get together and, you know, hang out, but it'll be, hey, this event is a reaching event, part of our strategy, so bring somebody who doesn't know Jesus, and that'll be a good way to reach them. And same with men's events. We'll center around an MMA fight where guys are just beating the crap out of each other on TV, um, because apparently some guys like that. Not me particularly, but some guys. Um, Young family events are events where you could bring like kids to. Like last year we did a harvest type event. Like sometime throughout the year we could do young families event, where you could invite people who don't know Jesus that have kids. Or and also marriage events or block parties. So that's our strategy. We have some of these things already on the calendar coming up. So we're doing it. So that's the first part of our mission. And one of the goals we set for this that we talked about last week, if you didn't hear it, was we want to reach 5,000 people for Jesus by 2025. So we're gonna have a part of a wall in the church available where we count down how many people or count up how many people we have reached so far, in our mission, you know, and and count up all the way to 2025. So we're gonna need you guys to tell us when you share the gospel with somebody, or when you invite somebody to church, Um, all those good things. You're gonna have to tell us and write it down or text in a number to 31996, and we will have a countdown on the wall so we can see every week how we're progressing in that. Because what we celebrate gets repeated, what we celebrate and what we set a goal for gets done. As you guys know, when we did I'm in 2020, we raised like 30 or $40,000 in a matter of months because it was on the forefront of everybody's mind. And so right now, the first part of our mission that we're setting is to reach 5,000 people for Jesus by 2025. And I'm excited about that. We will have those, that wall space made at some point in the next few weeks or next month or so. We will have that up, and it'll say our parts of our mission and the goals under each one. And so the goal is 5,000. So it'll put it on the forefront of our minds, hey, who can I share Jesus with this week? Who can I invite to church this week? And we can keep track of that. So, transitioning into the second part of our mission. Second part of our mission. Let's go back to the missions trip analogy. Anybody here actually ever been on a missions trip where they went to like Haiti or somewhere and shared the gospel with people? Okay, good. Some of you have. Imagine that we are like longer-term missionaries. Like the Rebers. If you don't know the Rebers, the Rebers are in the Green Mountain area and they're sharing the gospel um, there and they're missionaries there long term. And uh, when they are there, they're there long term. So let's say, let's say we are long term missionaries and let's say we start reaching the lost. Okay? We start reaching the lost. People are coming to wherever we're at. Ecuador, if I stick with Ecuador. <laughs> so people are coming. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. Are we done? Is that it? I would say no, because as a church, if we stop there, we're going to have a church full of what we call baby Christians. Like a church full of baby Christians, okay? And we don't want a church full of baby Christians, and I'll explain what a baby Christian is. Um, I have this, this, this build-in thing here, which it says, stages of spiritual growth. I took it loosely based on a book by Jim Putnam called Real Discipleship, but it talks about the stages of spiritual growth. Because as you guys know, when somebody gets saved, they're not all of a sudden the most mature Christian in the world. They make a lot of mistakes. They make a lot of poor decisions. They are learning to walk. They're like a baby deer who has just been born. They can't even really walk on their own yet. They're like just learning the ways. And so there's different stages of discipleship and spiritual growth, okay? And so like the first stage that I don't even list here is gonna be like the newborn phase. When anybody's a newborn Christian, like they accept Jesus and their heart's been transformed and they're a new Christian, it's marked by a lot of excitement. Like they're sharing it with their friends. They're in church every Sunday. Like they're just so excited to soak everything up of what they're hearing. They're, They're a newborn Christian. It's exciting. And then the kind of the first stage after that wears off is what we are calling, like, a baby Christian. Okay, a baby Christian. And the baby Christian, there's many ways that you can mark a baby Christian, but in this way, I'm gonna say it's marked by baby Christians because they need fed. Like in the Bible, when it talks about baby Christians, it's saying, hey, you guys are still on meat. You should be moving on to, like, steak and potatoes, but y'all still eating milk. You're still eating milk, meaning that your mama's still nursing you. Like, in in reality, like, baby Christians need fed. And that's okay. Like, I'm not saying that's, like, a derogatory thing. But what do I mean by need fed? Like, need fed spiritually. It meaning, like, you come to church, and, like, I'm feeding you. Like, your missional community is feeding you. We're pouring into you. We're, We're showing you the way. And everything, like, you're soaking it up, and you are being fed by others. Usually when a baby Christian, if they stop going to church within the first, like, year that they're saved, and they're baby Christian, they're not even feeding themselves, so they usually fall away at that point, right? Like, they don't feed themselves, so if they stop going to church, and they fall away from the church, they're going to dry up spiritually, and they're eventually going to stop following Jesus. And so they need to be fed, but eventually you need to move on. Um, The second stage I'm calling, like, the tween Christian. You guys know what a tween is? Like, in between a a child and adult, like them tweens, like 12, 11, 12, 13. Again, this is not to do with age, Level, Like this is to do with spiritual maturity, okay? I'm just using a tween as an example. So a tween Christian is a Christian that they, they still need fed, because I think at some point we all need fed, but they also can feed themselves. So it's like we always are going to be in church. We're always going to be fed to an extent, but in reality, we feed ourselves every word every day by getting into God's word on our own. We pray on our own. Like we're able to like walk on our own. This is very important that we're able to feed ourselves. If we ever get into another, like, pandemic lockdown situation, like when you can't be around church or your missional communities are in total lockdown, we should be able to respectably feed ourselves a little bit with God's word. And in many churches, we see people fall away because church wasn't meeting and the people never were taught or trained how to actually feed themselves. Okay, is that—do you understand what I'm saying by that? Like, like, hey, I'm not the best at reading my Bible or praying, but I do it most of the time. I do it most Sundays. I'm praying most Sundays. Like, hey, I'm able to feed myself a little bit. You know, that's what the early church fought for. Like, in the early, early church, especially when it got into like Roman Catholic Church in the early, early days, they only had one Bible. Like, they only had one Bible, and the people couldn't even read it. So you needed a priest to read the Bible to you and tell you what it's saying. And eventually, during the Reformation, um, John Calvin and all them, like, they said, we are—we think the Bible should be translated in everybody's language so they could actually read it for themselves and feed themselves. And so when I ask people, like, hey, how's your prayer life? I don't—I don't pray. Oh, okay, you don't pray? Like, how—how often do you not pray? I never pray. Okay, you need to learn to feed yourselves, and we as a church need to equip people to feed themselves. Again, this isn't age level. This is just spiritual maturity discipleship level and, like, discipleship goals. And we need to get to this point. And then the third is a mature Christian. They still need fed. Like we all need to feed it. We get fed by church. They need fed. They can feed themselves. And the last part is they can feed others. So you mature to the point where I could actually feed others. Like I could actually help somebody else and disciple somebody else and show somebody the way. I'm not talking about teachers. Because yes, there are going to be a handful of teachers in the church, but not everybody's gonna have the gift of teaching, right? So, like, not everybody should be teaching. That's okay. Even though you're not a teacher, you can still feed other people. You can guide other people spiritually and show them the way and show them and start discipling them and pouring into them. That's what I do when I'm discipling, um, like, I'm discipling a, a man right now, and we meet, like, every week, and we just talk, and I pour into them, and I just answer basic questions But also just show them how I live. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but somewhere in the Bible, it says, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul says that. Follow me as I follow Christ. Um, And so it's incredibly important to be able to do that. And so, you are able to feed others. And not just by teaching, but by guiding people, by sharing the gospel. If you have no way to, like, pour into other people and show other people the way, like, that's part of the thing is getting to that stage where you could actually help feed others. So again, this isn't age. It's about just how far you are in your walk. Somebody could be a Christian for 25 years, and they're still in this baby stage. Because they have never really learned or desired to feed themselves, and they're certainly not feeding others. Somebody could be a Christian for one year, and they could be a mature Christian because they've just flown through it. Really, the only thing that helps us progress through these stages is our hearts surrendered to Jesus. We hold nothing back from Jesus. And we say, Jesus, I'm willing to surrender, I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to do this, and I want to be a mature Christian. If you're stuck in this baby Christian stage, it's probably because the words that you hear and what you're being taught, you're not being faithful for what you're given. Paul talks about baby Christians in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. And he he mentions them to this. He mentions about what it means to be a baby Christian. He says this, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk and not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready, for you are still worldly for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? And so when we talk about this baby Christian stage, they're able to to be fed, but when they get outside of church, they make really horrible decisions. You know what I mean? Like, and many times they're really hard on people that are new in the faith, or young in the faith. Like, why did you do that? Like, it's like, they haven't learned to just feed themselves and even make wise decisions for themselves. That's part of a mark of a mature Christian. Is like you have discernment to say no to sin when you're out in the world. Like say no to sin and, you know, yes to good things and be able to make those decisions for yourself. When people are in the immature stages of following Jesus, they need people to tell them, hey, we don't do that. We don't steal. <laughs> we don't steal from work. It's not good. Jesus, it's actually one of the Ten Commandments. We don't lie. You know, we don't, you know— We don't look at that when we're married, because that's inappropriate. Like, we need people to teach us that. That's part of the being fed stage, and that's okay. But eventually we need to start walking on our own and making these wise decisions for ourselves. It says, now that you are in Christ, it's time to grow up in Christ. We don't want to stay mere infants in Christ. Amen? Amen. Baby Christians need to be mentored. Mentored, we use the word mentor, but also what I'm talking about is discipleship. They need to be discipled. And, like, I want to ask everybody, like, is there somebody that is discipling you or pouring into you and showing you the way and guiding you in your faith? And if you're a part of a missional community, in reality, your missional community leader is pouring into you and they're guiding you and directing you and— or people, mature Christians in your missional community are doing that as well. Like, missional communities is one of our main discipleship models here as a church. Sometimes we do— Less than that, like we might meet with somebody one-on-one for discipleship, or sometimes like two-on-one. But it's good to have a mature Christian who is walking beside you and discipling you. So that brings me to the second part of our mission statement, as you probably already guessed. The first part is reaching the lost, and the second is equipping the found. Equipping the found. When we talk about discipling, it means equipping people. Like showing them how to live their life. Um, It's about equipping people. We as a church just can't bring people to Jesus and let them stay there. We need to build them up and equip them. And when we talk about equipping, I'm thinking of two things. I'm thinking of two things, equipping people to follow Jesus and equipping people to do the work of ministry. Equipping people to follow Jesus and equipping j Rowe to do the work of the ministry. This is incredibly important, and we cannot neglect either one. Many times Christians focus on, hey, we're just going to teach our people to like follow Jesus. That's good, but we eventually want to teach our people to actually do the work of the ministry, and contribute to the work of the ministry, and be a part of the work of the ministry. Because we have so many different areas to serve, and so many different ministries to serve in, we can use um, everybody. So in first—in 2 Timothy 2.2, it says this, And these things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. This right here is talking about this, like, levels of what the church should be doing. You should be entrusting these sayings to other people who, in turn, they can entrust those to other people. You could teach others and equip them to eventually teach others. And it's like talking about multiplication of leadership. That's part of the reason we do church planting, as Jay wrote, is because we want to um, equip people for ministry and then give them a place to serve. Because if we never plant a church or multiply, if we never plant a church and multiply, We are going to be stuck here, and all of our leadership positions are going to be perpetually filled forever. (laughs) Sorry, Emma, there's nowhere for you to serve here because every position's filled in our whole entire church. So, I don't know, just, you're never going to be a leader here. But if we plant a church, we're going to, like Michael and Jill Burroughs, Lord willing, their goal is to plant a church by September of 2021. He's going to need a whole slew of leaders to help do the work of the ministry in their church. And so we're going to send some of our people to do that, which might create leadership holes that you guys can fill and step up. The whole goal of this is to get us out of our comfort zone, because when we're out of our comfort zone and doing things we're not used to, it pushes us and it grows us in our faith. And so our job is to equip the whole church for the work of the ministry, the multiplication of leaders. See, there's two ways a church could run. There's a good way and a bad way. The bad way is you hire staff, Like let's say you guys didn't have a pastor right now. You had no staff whatsoever. And you guys hired a pastor and say, you're now our pastor, do the work of the ministry. And the pastor's job is to do all the work of the ministry. So what people do is they'll step back and be like, that's why we hired a pastor. (laughs) And that's not the good way, because I have a question. Have you ever seen a, a church where like the pastor did everything? And eventually he was burnt out to a crisp, and he left after two years because he couldn't even like do it anymore. His family was struggling, his kids were struggling, his wife was struggling, and he was just like strung out because he was doing every single position in the church. Have you ever seen a member of the church, like just like a volunteer, who's like a really good volunteer, and the church asked that person to do everything? (laughs) Like, hey, You should be on the Every 12 team. Oh yeah, you should greet. Oh, we should you should be on the worship team, too. Oh, you should also serve in kids ministry. We burn out our good leaders because we're not training up new leaders. We burn out—if we have a a leader who's even remotely good, we use them to death and burn them out because we don't train up new leaders to do it. Why don't we do that? Because we're afraid they'll fail. We don't want to invest the time, or it's just easier to do it ourselves. You know what? I'm not gonna raise up anybody else. I'm just gonna do it myself. So we cannot do that. We have to be multiplying our leaders and asking you guys to step up and serve in different areas that you're not used to so we can continue to grow the church. So that's the bad way. Um, The good way is you hire a staff to build up programs and leaders to do the work. So part of my job is to build up leaders who could do the ministry. And so if I'm doing everything myself, I'm failing. I need to be training up other people. And that's part of the reason we started to do— the IDS team that, you know, Brian started, which every ministry um, team at J-Road has a leader over it. So Michelle Thompson is doing the cafe ministry. Nate Gilbert's doing this over the security ministry. Um, Don Hunter is doing the parking lot ministry. Bruce is over the tech team ministry. Um, who am I forgetting? Jesse Blacking's doing the greeting ministry. So these guys are over it. But they're also building up leaders underneath it. So we're not just doing it all. Like, I'm not like preparing my message Sunday morning, like praying over my message, but also like going out in the parking lot and waving in cars. Like, like I, I can't do it all. And I don't, you guys don't expect me to, and I don't expect to either. So that's good. But some churches, the pastor does feel like he needs to do it all. And part of it's a a leadership equipping thing. So we need to equip other people to do the work of the ministry. So we need to reach the lost so we don't grow stagnant. And we need to equip the found so we don't grow backwards. If we don't equip the found, we're gonna be a church full of baby Christians. The next pandemic that comes, they're all gonna scatter and go their own way because they don't know how to feed themselves. And we need to make sure that we are raising people up to feed themselves, but also raising people up so they could actually feed other people as well. Sometimes people say, you know, I'm not ready to be on a team at J Road. Like we have all these teams at J Road, like, and we also have the teams I just mentioned, but we also have the Every 12 team, um, the echo team, the kids ministry team. Like, I'm not ready to be uh, on a team at J Road. I'm just, I need to be fed right now. And and sometimes you're in that season where you just need to sit back and not serve. But ultimately, everybody needs to find a place to serve at J Road. All right? We need to find a place to serve. I don't have this on there, but Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, wrote this in, in Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. Again, it's not on the screen, but I'll just read it. He says this, He said—he came back to visit the church, and he wrote a letter to them. He says, "'For though by this time you ought to be teachers, but now you need somebody to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food.' And he's saying, "'Hey guys, by this time, many of you should be teachers, and you're—and you're not there yet.' And he's saying, like, we need to, like, step up. We need to find a place to serve. We need to do this.' And so he was, like, showing them this. And he was saying is, "'You haven't matured in Christ.' And part of it is our role as leaders to make sure that we're all pushing you. You guys have be the one to do the maturing, but we have to be the ones to provide the avenues to mature as well. He's saying that you guys have been in church for years, and you should be, have grown by now. You can't be stuck in the milk forever. We can't be stuck in the milk forever. So if you are a J Road kids volunteer, you are being equipped to disciple kids. If you are a echo leader, you're being equipped to disciple students. If you're a missional community leader, you're raising up another leader in your missional communities so we could eventually have more missional communities the more we grow. And so everybody should be multiplying themselves and equipping other people. So just like reaching the lost, we also have a strategy for equipping the found. So here's our strategy up here as well. The first part is Sunday morning service. So that's obvious. But what's the point of Sunday morning service? It's to equip the church. That's part of what I'm doing right now. I don't have to do like a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock class to teach what I'm teaching right now. I can just do it Sunday morning. It's our time to equip the church. It's good. So if you're here and you are soaking in what you're hearing, we're teaching you to worship God and to obey God's word, this is one of our main equipping methods is Sunday morning service. The next is missional communities. Missional communities is where you pray, you read your Bible, and do like a Bible study, but there's also discipleship with the play. We, in every missional community, they spend part of their time going over the play, which is asking really in-depth questions to each other to get to know each other, and to make sure we're walking with Christ. It's just just dis- discipleship 101. So missional communities is doing that. Then there's J Road teams, as we talked about. Our J Road teams are like Michelle Thompson's doing the cafe, Nate Gilbert's doing security, Dan Hunter's doing parking, Jesse Blacking's doing greeting, Bruce is doing tech, Mikey is starting the video stuff for the live stream, and eventually he might be able to train people to do that with him. Um, Nancy's doing the worship team, Jackie's doing kids ministry, Brian's doing Echo. Like we have all these teams at J Road. I'm doing the outreach team, which does every 12th. So there's an abundance of teams, and there's a place for you to serve. Part of our equipping strategy is, we're gonna offer a way for you to figure out what's your gifts and how do you fit in with the Jericho Road mission. Like I want everybody to figure that out for themselves. And so we have something that I'll talk about in like two seconds. Um, so we have this teams for you to serve. So we have missional communities, we have teams, we have Sunday morning service. The next one you might be like, what the heck is this? It's something we just started. It's called Equip You. All right, play on words. Maybe like Equip University, Equip You. But equip you is our strategy of events that we're going to do to equip you. So under equip you, there's going to be a bunch of events throughout the year, and so we're saying, hey, we have an equip you event coming up. We want you to do it. And the next one that we're going to do is called discover. So what the heck? I never heard of equip you. I've never heard of discover. Equip you in the discover part of dis- equip you is going to be like a uh, like a Wednesday night class or a Tuesday night class where you discover your spiritual gifts, you discover how you fit in at J Road, and just figure, like, what's your next steps? It's going to be an awesome time to learn about yourself, but also learn how do you fit in. So we'll let you guys know when that Equip You comes in, the Discover one, but it's also going to have Equip You for marriages. So we, if, you, if your marriage needs a Kickstarter, you come to that equip you, equip you, because we believe, as a church, we equip you to follow Jesus. Part of that is equipping you to how to be a good husband or a good wife. Because marriages are so important. Because believe it or not, Evan, you aren't just Evan, you are your marriage. Because you and Tiana became one when you got married. So when you get married, you literally aren't yourself anymore. You are your, your, your marriage. And so if your marriage is in a tough spot and it's toxic, it's going to eventually affect your whole life and eventually affect the whole church. So we want to make sure marriages are healthy. And so we're going to offer equipping events for that but also events how to feed yourself, um, how to share the gospel, and also men's and women's retreats like we did last year. So this men's retreat, like, like we did last year when we went to that, that training center, the whole point of that retreat is going to be equipping men to be um, whatever, to lead in certain ways, to do—like, it's going to be an equipping event. So what we're saying is all our men's and women's events are going to have specific purposes behind them. We're not just gonna get together and grill hot dogs and, like, play cornhole all night. That's not fun, and that's not what we're gonna do. Maybe it's fun, but it's no purpose behind it. I could do that at my house and invite you over. If the church is gonna do something, it's gonna be either showing you how to reach people and inviting people, or it's gonna be equipping you to be the church. And so those are the different types of equip you events. So keep your eye open for those. I'm really excited about those as well. And the next, the last is partnership class. I think I have it up there. Yeah, partnership path. Partnership path is if you want to become a partner of J-Road, then we equip you to become a partner and what it means to be a partner of J-Road. So just like we have missional goals for the church in reaching the lost, reaching the lost, we're going to reach 5,000 people for Jesus by 2025. For equipping the found, we want to equip 2,000 people for ministry by 2025. Okay? So we know like you have uh, 5,000 people, like why not 5,000 for equip? We believe that you'll reach 5,000 people, but not all 5,000 people that you share the gospel with will either accept it or come here. <laughs> That's just the reality. Hey, I share the gospel. Somebody was on a plane going to Florida. They go to church down there. So be it. You share the gospel. You reach the loss. That's good. But we want to equip 2,000 people for ministry here at J Road. How are we going to measure that? New people that sign up for missional communities, new people that sign up for uh, a team at J-Road, people that do the Equip You. And so we want to equip 2,000 people for ministry, and that will be one of our goals. So each time somebody checks off one of those boxes, we will add them to the numbers here at J-Road for, the, for these numbers. So let me end by this. In the worship team, if you're out there, you can make your way up. But I want to end by this. In Revelation 2, it says this. I Many everybody, everybody are familiar with the book of Revelation. In Revelation 2.10, it says this, and this is really speaking to the whole church. It says this, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested, and you will have tribulation for a number of days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Over this past eight months— How much ever we've been in this weird season of life. It is really like made everything unprecedented. Church was unprecedented. um, School was unprecedented. All your workplaces were unprecedented and changed, and it really changed the game. And what a lot of people are thinking about, it's like made some people agitated. Like, like, is the church being persecuted? Is the church being persecuted? Or we have to stop the church from being persecuted. So I'm not wearing my mask into Walmart, because I don't want to be part of this persecution. Like, number one, that is not persecution. The Bible says that in the end times—and I don't know when that is, it might be ten years from now, it might be five years from now, it might be hundred years from now— in the end times, the church will be persecuted. I could promise you that. I personally believe—and this might be a wild estimation— but in my lifetime, it's going to be illegal to be at church. And so the church will have to go spread out and go underground. And if we aren't equipping the body of Christ to be the church, when the first wave of persecution happens, people scatter. You know what I mean by that? Like, where did they go? Like, I don't know. Like, we stopped having—we couldn't we couldn't meet anymore for church, period. It's now illegal. We're now—the Christians are now considered a terrorist organization by the government. And all the people scattered and like— like, they just left. And there is a handful that was mature enough to feed themselves, and there's a good handful enough to feed others during that time. So, Emma had a Bible study at her house, underground. You know, Evan and Tiana had a house church at their house, underground. Marshall's house church. Stafford's house church. Carmine's house church. Like, we all had to do it. Like, we all have to do it because it's now illegal to meet, period. And we have to do it quietly. But if we're not equipping people to be able to feed others, that's never going to happen, and the church is going to scatter. If we're not equipping people to feed themselves, when the first wave of persecution comes, the church is just— like, half the church is just going to fizzle out. This is why it's so important that we need to be equipped. I'm not saying this to bring fear upon you, because— there's a spoiler alert—the church wins at the end, and whenever the church is under persecution, the church thrives. The Holy Spirit cannot be contained. Jesus cannot be held back or shackled. He, God always stays on his throne, amen? Persecution has nothing on the church, but we have to be ready. It says that. We have to be able to be equipped and stand on our own. And that's my job is to prepare us for the worst case scenario, which we may not see in our lifetime, and we may. But I want us to be equipped. I want you guys to be able to feed yourselves and ultimately to help feed other people. Let's pray. God, I love you, and I'm excited about this new mission that you laid in our hearts. I'm excited about reaching the lost, and I'm excited about equipping the found. And I'm excited about the next part we talk about next week. God, um, I want us to be an effective, purposeful church that's on a mission, that has direction, that has clarity. And I want us to be able to equip so many saints for the work of the, of, of the Lord. We're, I ultimately worked myself out of a job because there's so many people that could do the work of the ministry. So many people that could teach, so many people that could disciple, so many people that could lead teams, so many people that could lead missional communities, that we just have an abundance, that we have to plant five churches next year because we have so many people equipped. Help us do that, Jesus, for your kingdom. Help us be able to withstand any persecution that might come our way. Because we know your word says the gates of hell will not prevail against your church. But help us build up the church for those times. God, we love you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.